if you're looking forward to She-Hulk and the Fantastic Four as well, because yes, <laughs> if you're just looking to She-Hulk. Also, I need yes, everyone. Don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. <laughs> <laughs> What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Another Relaunch. What's going on? I am LZ. Hey, everybody. I'm Keenan. How are you doing today, Keenan? Um, did you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Yeah. I, um, I went on like a cabin trip last weekend for my friend, um, his birthday. And it was like a small group of us. We went out to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It was oh, really my. exciting. Um, beautiful. We saw like three bears. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, one was in the backyard of our cabin. And so like, as soon as we saw, it was like a little baby. So I was like, oh, the mom is not too far behind. Uh, then we saw another baby later on that day. And then I think our last day there, I was like out in the front taking a picture of the skyline and everything and the mountains. And I look to my right and a little bit down the street, there is a giant big mama black bear like just walking up the street and so i my soul left my body and i I was just like oh and so like i just i took like a couple pictures real quick (laughs) but then i was standing there and i'm like so you know i'm still far away enough that i'm pretty sure i would have been fine but i was like you know i don't want to run or anything or move super fast because i was like what if this bear like sees me or like gets scared like starts chasing me so i'm kind of just standing there like what am i supposed to do what am i supposed to do but then she uh, turns up a hill, and so as soon as she does that, I just like go running back to the cabin. That is terrifying. And so then, like, really, and so like we were packing up to leave and everything, and so I'm like, they keep leaving the door open because you know they're making trips back and forth to like put the ki- uh, bags in the car, and I'm like, you guys need to close the door. There's a bear. Did you imagine that bear just like walking in there? I've seen videos but, like, like that. <laughs> and no, and I was about to say, that's the thing. So as we were going around the town, we'd go to stores and stuff. They would have signs up that would say, like, you know, this is bear country. Make sure you lock your doors because um, they will come into your house. Absolutely not. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to powers? When I saw them, but, like, I stopped. You know how you say, like, you see movies or you read books and they're, like, the person that's paralyzed by fear? I was paralyzed by fear. My legs did not work i said i don't know what's gonna happen right now <laughs> jeez do you hear all out there i couldn't do that but i made it you're here <laughs> and i was able did to get you have time a great time i did have a really good time yeah right highly recommend it good all right well let's go ahead and get up into these comics of the week first up is the aquaman 80th anniversary special now i already know that you got this, and um, mm. as, as listeners already know, Aquaman is your number one. So tell us how this was. Oh my gosh! Happy, so, happy 80, I guess to Aquaman. Damn. <laughs> happy eight. And you know what? Also today, well, by the time it'll be passed, but by the time this airs, it'll be passed. But today is also my grandfather's 80th birthday. So happy oh, birthday no. to Bob. Happy birthday, Love Bob. Love you. Um, 
80 years of you, 80 years of Aquaman, maybe 80 years. I know that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to that. But no, this was uh, this was really, really good. You know, I think as a huge Aquaman fan, it was just very fulfilling to kind of see some of these creators come back. We got a lot of folks who joined the docket to tell little stories here and there. Um, a couple, Jeff Parker came back, Jeff Johns came back. Uh, Dan Jurgens had a story here. Margaret Bennett, who's done a lot of stuff for DC Bombshells, she came in and did like a mirror on author story in that style. Um, so it was nice to just like go through all of these various moments of his history and kind of add new spins to some of the stories or tell little, you know how an anthology book works. It gives you those yeah. stories of characters. So that was great. We got two featuring Jackson in here. Uh, one was written by Jeff Johns. And it's basically Jackson and Manta meet up every year on uh, Father's Day. Oh. Yeah, and it's like, this is the one day they kind of call the truth. And Jackson's still like, well, you still need to turn yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> and Black Panther's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and then the other one is from Brandon Thomas, who's going to be uh, writing Jackson's story as he becomes Aquaman, which comes out September 21st. Add that to your pull list if you haven't already. You can go on Comixology and subscribe. Um, he tells a little story in there about Jackson, Arthur, Mira, and Andy and how they're just vacationing, Arthur's training him, and Mara tells Arthur, she's like, oh, there's something I need to show you over there. <laughs> and so they leave. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Because Arthur's like, oh, Jackson, can you watch Andy? <laughs> I know, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so they leave, and um, while he's doing that, like, we see a little cute montage of him and Andy. He's doing some of his training stuff, and she's mimicking him. And so it's a really nice callback to the time in Future State when he was Aquaman, and he was training her on the use of her abilities. So I was like, that was cute, because we get, like, the baby, and she's, like, trying to say his name. I really loved how it's been, how Jackson's been so well integrated into the Aquaman family. It's been a little rough, and, you know, People love to bring up Rebirth Jackson. I mean, not Rebirth Jackson, Brightest Day Jackson. And, mm -hmm. like, how they kind of miss the difference of that character versus the one of Rebirth. I think what a lot of people don't remember is that the Brightest Day Jackson was not around for a very long time. He was literally just in Brightest Day. Then we never saw him again. And then the universe rebirthed. So Rebirth Jackson is technically the only Jackson we've ever really had. And the way they've done this character arc from his time in the Teen Titans to finally joining the Aquaman book under KSD to like now and the history they've built up, he's really been working on his heroism. And it's great to see. He saves Andy. Um, he was with the Titans, the Teen Titans for so long. He, he did. A oh, he really has been like kind of been built up. Damn. He's, he's been working. Um, and so it's, it's just been really nice to see how all of that comes about. And so they get attacked by Scavenger. They're trying to get this crystal. He uh, protects Andy. Aquaman and Mera come out again to help him save the day. And he starts telling Arthur, he's like, you know, I almost lost Andy this time. So it could have been really bad. We need to step up my training. I need to do this better. And so he says, okay, there's this thing I was working on with Batman that was going to be for Andy when she was ready to be a hero one day. He's like, but maybe it actually is meant for you instead. And so that's going to lead into his book. There was also another short story in there with Manta, and that was written by Chuck Brown, and that's going to be leading into his series that's starting in October. Okay. So all along, all around, like, if you're not an Aquaman fan, I recommend picking it up just to learn a little bit more about him. If you are, highly recommend it because it's a good read. Nice art all around. Great writing. Four out of five. Any any clues as to what they're going to be doing with Arthur going forward next? <clears throat> like, 
Not really, and it's kind of weird. So, you know, we've got the Jackson book, we've got the Manta book. He also is going to have a team-up series with Green Arrow, which is, like, a little strange, because it's like Arthur and Ollie aren't really close, and they're never two characters who you kind of think about being together. No. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, okay, okay. that's going to happen. But I guess we'll just see what happens after all of that ends. So I personally think they are going to move forward with having Jackson as like Aquaman going forward. Something might happen with Andy where she gets aged up. I don't know if how long they want to keep her a baby. I will say like DC loves to make their like kids older. They do. Point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They like they like to get straight to the point. <laughs> yeah, they like to like move it along. So I don't know if they're gonna do that. Um whatever happens with Arthur and Mira, I think it'll be something to do with Atlantis. But maybe not ruling. Like I can see, I can see like that's how the, they could split it up. They could do a thing like where Arthur is like, quote unquote, Aquaman down in undersea, and Jackson is Aquaman up on land. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would like that, like a like a dual book. Yeah, something like mm. that. So. Huh. No. Okay. We'll check that out, y'all. All right. Up next is Astonishing Times number two, written by Frank Barbary and Aris Quinones, and art by Rory Coleman. Now, this book is uh, part two to this comicsology original that I just started reading and picked up because I saw the one character that looked like me. <laughs> I remember when you were talking about this. Yeah, so um, this is about a reporter who is, he's basically like the, the point of view character in this series. And think of him as like, um, what's Superman's reporter's name? Clark Kent or Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen, yeah. He's kind of like a Jimmy Olsen. Like, he is friends with the superheroes, or at least his dad was. Let's, let's say that. His dad was more like the Jimmy Olsen, who was friends with all the superheroes and everything, and, and the uh, main character here wants to kind of follow suit, but, like, people don't care about heroes anymore because <laughs> they're, like, they're everyday, like, it's just whatever. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> in the last issue, this cosplayer got killed, he went to this place, got dressed up as this character Gold Rush, and got killed. And someone like altered his DNA. We find on this issue to make it seem as if he was the real Gold Rush. Mm-hmm. And um, we learned that one of the old heroes' name, I think I can never really, I think it's Koken is how you pronounce it in this book. Yeah. Like cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's. I mean, he is kind of fast in this, so who knows? <laughs> but uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. And he's like this like ninja Batman kind of character, and he is um, the point of view character's like favorite superhero. And he kind of brings him in on the mission because they're trying to figure out how who killed this cosplayer and like who's trying to set up the fact to make him look like the real uh, Gold Rush, and. Uh, by the end of it, we find out that um, I think his his dad was like the reporter's dad. Since he was friends with all the superheroes, he had this like briefcase where he kept a lot of like secret stuff in it. And um, uh, Koken had told the reporter, "Hey, your dad like has some data, some like encrypted data. Could you go and get it?" So um, he goes in and breaks into this uh, security vault and uh, gets this briefcase opens the briefcase because of course it's his birthday because the son like that was his this love and you get the sense that Koken has been maybe setting up the reporter and like like 
you don't know where his side is because like the look on his face after they open it, there's this like vial of stuff in it. I don't know if it's gonna like give you powers or something like that, but um, yeah, you don't you don't know what's really going on here because you think that like oh, Koken's the superhero and Noah is the reporter's name and he is like so like bright eyed or whatever. So you don't yeah. know if if you're gonna like get. He's probably gonna get killed. Who knows? <laughs> I was gonna say he's definitely being set up by Kirk <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's definitely getting set up. So uh, I actually really like this this series so far. It's a really fun like okay. kind of superhero book. Um, this world, this world that they're building is really cool. I think it's very interesting that like superheroes are very common and that people yeah. like, <laughs> don't don't care. They're not like you know blown away by the idea of a superhero flying around and doing anything. Um, and the Noah is really trying to inspire people again and really want people to just kind of become very like happy again about superheroes and bring that excitement back. But yeah. the people in this world don't care. <laughs> I mean, I guess after so many times, I would probably be the same way. Like it's probably a Superman every day, a Joker trying to kill you on your way to work. It's, it's like it's like an inconvenient train at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's this thing in this series called the cataclysm which was this big thing that's a bunch of superheroes died at but like people look at that as like like whatever <laughs> we get one of those once a month <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah i actually really enjoyed this series i would give this a 3.5 out of 5 really solid okay. art really solid story um, it's a Comixology original, so if you're subscribed to Comixology, you can read it for free. But if not, you can uh, get the book. I think it's only like three bucks, so I definitely would recommend it. I'm going to stick with it during this first arc and see what's up. They haven't introduced the character that looked like me, although he's like, in, he's been in flashbacks and stuff when they bring up okay. like the Cataclysm and how like superheroes used to be. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that makes me think he probably evil. I was about to say, I was, I was, oh, was going to say dead. But. Or dead. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, so he's dead. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, actually, no, they probably think he's dead. So he'll pop back up. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He'll pop back up. Probably have to, like, relax. It's going like to be like a big thing. Like, we'll have a, like, oh, my God, the hero yeah. of all times is alive. <laughs> I'm going to live for that. <laughs> All right. Up next is uh, mid this Midnighter Annual, and I did not check this out. Oh I'm my goodness! I didn't, because oh. I had a feeling I wasn't gonna get too much Apollo in this, and I and, love them together, but I really want to get more Apollo. And so you are wrong. Um, I mean, you're kind of right, but you're also wrong. <laughs> you didn't get a lot of Apollo, but he was there. Okay. <laughs> Um, so basically this um this was written by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad with art from Michael uh, Avon Oming. And this entire annual is the pinnacle of all the future state stuff that's been going on in the action comic backups. And so it was just really great to finally have it all in one spot because the backups have been great in action comics, but again, because you have to kind of wait that time in, uh, in between books, and then just the way the backups are written, you tend to forget a lot. Plus, it was Future State. Future State was a very long time ago, and so I was like, I gotta go back and read some of the Future State books to really remember what they're talking about. <laughs> um, but basically, the Cliff Notes version is, Midnighter has been stuck in a time paradox. His self from the past is in the future, and his self from the future is in the past. And there's this man, Androv Tover, and he is going to in the future, create 
cyborg, basically. He enslaves humanity by, like, merging them with robots. So we get a little bit more backstory onto this guy. We see that when he was a kid, he watched his mom die from some disease. And he said, like, that's kind of what sparked him on this path to, like, merge with machines. Because he was like, I always saw the human body as inferior and something that would, uh, you know, dissolve and die. And it needs to be improved upon. The Midnighter from the future took a part of his supercomputer and merged it with his brain. So Andrew, uh, the guy has been like in his head. And so this has been causing a rift between him and Apollo. I don't know if you remember when I was telling you about that. And Apollo's mm-hmm. like, oh, you being real silly. And Midnight's like, just let it go. We also ends up teaming with Mr. Miracle in the present day, Shiloh mm-hmm. Norman, which was also really nice to see because again, cool. he has the series going on. I, I really feel like they're like building him up to be in Superman's authority book or like mm-hmm. just a part of the Superman corner a little bit uh, in a grander sense. I'm like, I'm here for it. So they're, they're really all- building him up to like be uh, another character. I like that. I love that. Yeah. And so they're working together to uh, stop this guy. And so while they're fighting some of his like cyborgs, Apollo pops up and Apollo is like, What's going on? (laughs) 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 And Midnight is like, look, like, I'm not, you can't get involved in this. And so Midnight has a line, actually, I was like, oh, you would have loved this if you heard it. His line is, hold on, let me pull up the issue right now. (laughs) I love that. You know, maybe Um, I should have read this as Apollo popping up like what's going on (laughs) fighting the robots and uh Mr. Miracle and Midnight are getting their asses kicked and they're like Apollo help him and Apollo's like no he said he was gonna do it on his own so I'm gonna (laughs) do it on his own (laughs) I know that's right (laughs) he's like no so finally the like Mr. Miracle kind of has a moment with him he's like look if you just need him to say he's sorry like I'm gonna say it for him I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so he's like, he, I would appreciate it. Like, we just need your help. And so Apollo does his thing. And he dissolves all these monsters. And they're like, oh, wow, it was that easy for you? And so he says, Midnight, um, <laughs> you need to explain yourself. He says, I've given you your space, but now you need to respect my patience. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> T. <laughs> <laughs> that is a word. <laughs> I read it, I was like, I know Lazaric didn't read this book. And I was like, and he needs to. I was like, because this is the Apollo that he wants to be reading about right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, but then basically Midnight tells them everything that's going on. They go fight the bad guy. This bad guy has actually created his own version of a mother box. He calls it like a stepmother box. And so he uses his own boom tube to bring like the right Midnighter back to the present. They fight him. What he does is Midnighter from the future that's in the present now, he kills the bad guy, but because the bad guy has obviously been doing all this stuff with the machines, the supercomputer that Midnighter has in his head, he sends his consciousness into that. Oh, okay. And so then they broke their Midnighter's head, but then what Midnighter ends up doing is uh, blowing himself up so he could just like end it all. But the guy had another cyborg on the side who he transferred his consciousness into that one. <laughs> I love good robots. Yes, I love yeah, it. I was, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, so he's still technically alive, um, just in another cyborg. The right Midnighter is in the present. Apollo and him are back together. And then Mr. Miracle is around. He's like, even tells him, he's like, I'm here if you ever need me for any future missions or anything like that. He's become like a nice little friend to them. So that was also nice to see. Uh, so just 
a really good issue all in all. It was a great Midnighter tale. I love the action was nice. The art was fantastic. There, obviously, for those who don't know, Midnighter is a very like action heavy character. He fights all the time, so it's like we get a lot of fighting. Like, it's kind of <laughs> like he's gonna beat somebody's ass. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 throughout this, we also get like some nice little character moments with him because this guy has been living in his head, and he kind of talks about like you know why are you always trying to fight everybody? What is it about you that makes you so aggressive? Like why don't you actually care about yourself and your well being? Why can't you be honest with Apollo about what's going on with you and all of this stuff? Like, what's holding you back? So it's really nice to see those character moments that we don't always get with Midnighter. It's typically just like, I'm the gay badass who can kick your ass. <laughs> right. With a computer in his brain. With a computer in my brain. So it's like, okay, we're getting to the rut a little bit of what's going on in his mindset. So again, another really great read. Another four out of five for me. I think if you're a Midnighter fan, pick it up. I think if you're an Apollo fan, pick it up. I have, again, been talking relentlessly about how good Action Comics is and how good I think Superman and the Authority is and, like, just the Superman corner right now. This feels like a cousin to the Superman universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So it's just, like, get into it. Yeah. Definitely. All right, y'all. Up next is Hellions number 15, and this is written by Zeb Wells with art by Rojo Antonio. And um, I, again, still enjoying this book a lot. This one was one that really had the payoff in it. You Last issue, it was all revealed that, um, you know, Sinister had used the Hellions to obtain some DNA and uh, genetic material from the um, from Ameth. And but he told the Hellions that they were successful in their mission, but they found that they weren't, and they had to fight the uh, Tarn, the Uncaring, and everything there. Mm. Um, yes, I remember you said that. Yes. Uh, did you did you check this issue out? No, I did not. No. Okay, I figured. <laughs> I, heard, I, I heard good things about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I've always I've, I've always said Hellions is a good book. It's very well written. I just. I don't know. It's also I was thinking about why I couldn't really connect with it because like Mr. Sinister is like one of my favorite villains. Yeah, he's definitely um, become one of mine. And I was like, why couldn't I get into him in this book? I was like, do I not like Zeb Wells as Sinister? But I was like, that's not true either because I like his wit Sinister. I was like, I just don't think I like the characters to talk. You to. probably don't like the cast. That's fair. Um, well, they were doing the damn thing in this one. They tried to fight Tarn, of course, but it didn't work out. Uh, Psylocke tried to use her telepathy against Tarn. But um, she's not that powerful, so it didn't work out. Um, he ends up using her mind. Well, she ends up giving away the information of where Sinister went. Because in the last issue, Sinister and his clone escaped through a gate. Um, she said, in the fighting, and I'll tell you where he went. And uh, he used, uh, Tarn used his telepathy to find out exactly where the information was. Got it from her. They left, and... Um, <laughs> they end up finding out that Sinister made his own chimera, and it's a chimera between uh, him and Tarn. So you see mm. this like Tarn Sinister chimera that he created, and um, Tarn ended up showing up to the. He ended up being in Murder World. <laughs> he ran away to <laughs> the basement of Murder World, is where his clone farm was. So, but Tarn ended up showing up, and Sinister ends up showing him like, "Hey, you know, before we even try to kill me." Why don't I show you what I made? And um, who knows? They may have been about to have some kind of alliance there. Mm -hmm. But uh, turns out that Emma had sent 
um, mm. Empath to kind of watch over oh, Sinister. Empath is still in the book? <laughs> yeah, he's still there. Um, and he uh, had told Sinister, hey, um, just let you know, you were never supposed to be doing stuff like this. Emma sends her regards. And Empath used his powers to control Havoc, who like exploded the entire place and probably killed everybody there. Oh wow. Yeah. You oh, know Havoc's sad. got that, that kind of Oh power. wait, wasn't um that la- that lady's that lady's daughter was in there, wasn't she? Oh yeah. Well not the daughter per se. We just it, she finally told everybody Or her like DNA. Yeah, she finally mm-hmm. told everybody that she was working with Sinister because Sinister has the only copy of her DNA that isn't in a like backup. So if she wants to have her daughter like brought back to life, she needs to work for Sinister. Oh, oh, that's sad. Um, but they told everybody there, and Grey Crow even like he understood, so that was cool. They also end up fighting this kind of like monster creature thing. Oh yeah, he ain't going nowhere. This is like kind of his book. <laughs> Him and Psylocke are like the leads, and and. I just feel like maybe we. I feel like if there was like a Sienna Blaze or a Fantasia on the roster, you want more ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Just, this is a lot of guys. <laughs> Wild child. Yeah. It does. Need, it does need way more. Uh, some ladies on the team. There's some bad girls that could be joining on the Hellions. Aren't there? Okay. <laughs> do a whole show on that. Okay. Love bad girls. Um, but no, that's, yeah. I mean, it sounds exciting. The stuff with Sinister sounds really nice. I think I, I'm not too sure how I feel about the Chimeras, honestly. Uh, to be real with you, that part of Hoxpox was not really my favorite. I'm not into the whole like creating mutants, like yeah, me neither. Things of whatever they're supposed to be. I was like, eh, I like my mutants born naturally, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> For me, with the whole Chimera thing, it always ends up feeling like okay, well, they're gonna be cannon fodder. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it also kind of becomes a thing of like, well, if we could just make our own mutants, then what is the specialness about these? Right. Powers <laughs> like we can just do this with anybody. But whatever. Um, that's a whole nother thing. But the stuff with uh, a sinister Tarn Chimera does sound interesting. It looks it looks kind of cool. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> it looks kind of cool. Um, and they the entire team was like fighting these this like amino fetus thing that like you couldn't feed it energy because then it's gonna grow into this like baby thing that's gonna end the world it was it was it was obviously meant to be a thing where like tarn would have to leave and have to go back and like take care of this thing away from sinister um but i don't think villains like that are interesting because i think they're kind of (laughs) gross like you know kind of like biological things with like six arms and like Whatever. Like a, bo- a body horror gross. So I, I actually do like villains like that. I think they are amazing. That, but it's also one of the reasons why I think Husk, the character, should be a villain. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah, I think it's gross. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think overall I would give this issue, like, a solid 3.5 out of 5. Okay. For sure. I'm still into Hellions. I really like this series a lot. Um, yeah. I'm still shocked that, like, it is still kind of going, <laughs> considering, like, I feel like this team is full of people that like are kind of yeah. lower tiered characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there isn't a a gene or a storm or whatever on this team. So like, 
it's interesting that this has kind of been still going on. I think that's just a yeah. strength to the writing and the art and everything there. So, agreed. The creative team has been doing um, amazing things. It reminds me a lot of how Ped's X Factor was like successful when he had the team with like Madrix and Wolf Bane and Strong Guy. It's like you kind of have yeah. all these like particular characters, but this but it's a book that still feels very important to the line, has a lot of heart, and even though it's a little disconnected, it's still connected. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. And in the end, it's a book titled Hellions. Right? <laughs> like, who, who have ever expected something like that? 15 ish? What's this? 15? You said? 15, yeah. Yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Up next is Wonder Girl number three. And uh, this is written and drawn by um, Joel Jones. Joel and Jones. I'm not going to lie, I dropped it. <gasps> I'm not surprised. I, um, <laughs> I got a little bored. I'm sorry. Adri- it's a beautiful, Mello, beautiful book. It, it is. Adriana Mello also does like some guest art on this as well. Um, this it's moving at a snail's pace. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's like moving at a snail's pace. Okay. <laughs> but it looks so good. I will say that this one was a little bit more exciting than the previous issues have been. We saw like um, Yara is on the run. Well, she's not on the run. Like, Cupid looks like he's on the run. And she's, like, chasing after him to save him from this beast that's with her. There's this other guy who seems to be her love interest. I'm still not really sure what's going on there. But they, like, kiss a couple of times. But, again, it could have been because Cupid shot them with the arrow. Um, These, like, they're in this forest. And all of these, like, forest spirit type of creatures show show up. And they're telling Yara it's her destiny to protect the land. But... Eros has now stabbed her with an arrow and she is in love with him so he's like come with me to Mount Olympus and so she just goes and but she's crying and she's telling the boyfriend like I'll come back for you and it's like why (laughs) what's going on (laughs) it's just like what's going on why are you coming back I don't understand and then um, but on the other side of it you we have uh, Wonder Girl Cassie she's teaming up with Artemis they're fighting some of the other uh, Amazons apparently you know everybody's looking for Yara for some reason we have no idea why everybody's looking for her we just keep getting told she's important she's supposed to do something so they're like fighting the other Amazons and they decide to stick together because Cassie says she knows where Yara is and the book ends off with uh, Eros taking Yara to Mount Olympus and she's greeted by Hera and she's like, okay. She's like, yeah. She's like, I've been waiting to meet you. You're going to do a lot of great things. And then the book ends. Um, again, it's just moving a little bit at a snail's pace, but it's beautiful to look at. The bits that get exciting do seem exciting. And it's like, oh, yeah, I would kind of want to read this. I just wanted to move along a little bit more. Like, we are about to be four issues in. And I still don't know what Yara does. She tries to use her little uh, weapon. Little bolo, this, little bolo her little bolos. It doesn't go too well, so she doesn't know how those operate either. <laughs> all, in all, <laughs> uh, all in all, I would represent, I'd say, 3.5 out of 5. Okay. Yeah, 3.5 out of 5. Okay. But again, it's from the art. Like, once the story really gets moving, We'll be into a little bit more. Beautiful art, though. Can't stress that enough. <laughs> maybe it's I'll pop good. back in maybe a little later. Maybe, maybe around, like, issue six or something. I'm just going through the issue again right now. It's, like, beautiful to look at. 
I'm like, sure. Beautiful. Great guy. <laughs> beautiful gowns. <laughs> All right. Um, up next is Captain Marvel number 32. And this was written by Kelly Thompson with art by Sergio Davila. And what an opening to the last of the Marvel's arc. Um, this book has been giving me everything that I need for uh, Captain Marvel. You know, um, the ship was going downhill during <laughs> during Civil War II. <laughs> we were clicking down. And um, her solo series back then, everything was just relying on her name. And oh, it was it's Carol Danvers. You know her as Captain Marvel. But there weren't any stories or anything to kind of give her motivation to kind of see what she was doing. And I can honestly say that this Kelly Thompson run has really been fantastic from beginning to current. 32 issues. And um, I'm still loving it. This issue opens up right off the bat. Carol is just flying around. She says, you know, I'm glad I got a little bit of time for myself. All I've ever wanted to do was fly. And, you know, <clears throat> as some people have probably seen in the movie, that's why she's always wanted to be an air pilot. She's always wanted to fly. And she's flying around. She's like, you know, it's nice to have some time by myself without someone shooting me. Boom, someone shoots her. <laughs> <laughs> and they shoot her with an energy blast. And we get about, like, 12 pages, 12, 15 pages of this nonstop fight between a mm. uh, Carol. There was previously in a previous arc, about two arcs ago, she fought. Someone put her in this suit. Um, his name was Vox Supreme. He was an old Cree inhuman and, like, mixed with a Supreme Intelligence thing. And he, like, was this villain who didn't like Carol. And... He put her in this suit and made her do his bidding, and um, he made her take down the Avengers. Now, mm. this time, she ends up getting into this huge fight with someone who was also in the suit. She's trying to fight okay. them and, and figure out who it is, and this entire fight, you are getting the sense of, like, they got the same powers as her, so maybe it's a clone. Um yeah. And Carol's like, you know, that's probably a clone. Who knows what's going on? Then she starts to figure out that, like, um, I need to go and get the other. If they are after me, they mm -hmm. probably are after other Captain Marvels. I need to go and get, like, some help fighting this person and go after the other, the other Captain Marvels. So they get into this whole fight. Carol uses her photon blast from her eyes, so she's got a like a an eye beam blast now. But it was really cool that the way Kelly wrote it, it didn't just feel like this brand new power that she could do. After mm -hmm. she did it, she Carol was like, "Oh, that was actually really hard to control, and I couldn't see. So like, I don't know how often I could actually mm -hmm. be." Able to do it. Um, and so I thought that was a really cool touch. But they get into this whole fight. Carol ends up having to like topple a mountain on this <laughs> on this person, and she defeats her, takes her to. Iron Man and Iron Man is like, help me get this suit off because you helped me before. And you're like in this whole anticipation to figure out who it is behind this suit. And boom, you find out. And I won't spoil it on right now, but I was not expecting for this character to pop up in this series mm -hmm. at all. I thought it was a clone. I will say that it was not a clone. Um, mm -hmm. So Carol finds out that, you know, if they're going after this person, they have to be going after other Captain Marvels. She gets to. Or maybe even Kamala, Ms. Marvel. Mm -hmm. Kamala's the first one to her. She flies over to Kamala. By the time she gets there, there are now five of these black suit Carol creatures around Kamala. So Carol's probably going to have to fight all of them. 
Oh, wow. Um, the character that I was revealed to be, is it someone who has a connection to Carol? Someone that has a connection to Captain Marvel. Okay. Like the, the guy Captain Marvel. Just the name. Oh. Oh. What a teaser. Yeah. <laughs> they're going Ooh. through all the they're going through all the Captain Marvels, it looks like anyone who's ever had that name. So I don't know if Carol's gonna have to fight them all or if she's going to they gotta team up or something, but I'm loving this so far. This was a really okay. great issue. Solid this four is, out of five um, for me. This is Carol's longest running series, isn't it? She had the Ms. Marvel solo series before oh, I remember that, that got to her. That was bad. <laughs> yeah. It was like half half of it was good, the other half was not. <laughs> and it was I like mean, the, when Moonstone to took over the title, it was good. Oh no, we don't do that. But it was, <laughs> it was um, I think it got I think that got to fifty issues. So if this makes okay. it to fifty, or maybe got to like forty seven or something like that, but I know that if it's, if this book gets to fifty, then this will be. Do you? Oh, I hope so. Ha, I don't know. I don't know like how many interviews Kelly does about it or not. But um, has she given any indication that she has a definite ending for, or that she like just is open to keep going? She every anytime they ask her, she's always like, "I'm down to keep writing." Um, Carol, as long as I can, you know, I love the character. Uh, we'll have to obviously get her on the show so we can discuss that with her or something. But um, she, mm-hmm. what so far I've only seen that she's like, yeah, I'll keep going. I have plans for her, like okay. beyond that. I do remember that she had plans for Carol to have another brood inter- interaction because that's kind of where Carol got her Captain Marvel like powers activated. That would have been nice, but yeah. she said that what happened with the brood egg in the X-Men, like she had to change some things around. So I wonder like yeah. what is going to be filling that void now. Um, but yeah, she's okay. going to keep going. I hope she keeps going. I'm loving this series. Like I said, this gets a solid four out of five for me. Would you consider Kelly Carol's best writer now? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say yes. The voice that she has for Carol is so far has been very spot on. She really gets Carol's, not only her determination, but mm-hmm. the way that she is in a fight. Um, it's mm-hmm. not just her throwing fists and just punching and blasting stuff. She is yeah. someone that actually thinks about what she has to do, especially when it comes to her full-time blast because it's energy. So like, you know, you can just sling that everywhere around you. Um, mm-hmm. And she thinks about these things and how they're gonna affect everyone else around her. So she's got a really great voice for Carol. And and she's got even the stubbornness down. It's you know she's, she doesn't <laughs> shy away it. from she even doesn't shy away from that stuff too. So I like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. Keep it going, Kelly. Um. Okay. Last on the list, but definitely not least, is the mini deaths of Layla Starr, and um that was written by Ran V with art by Felipe Andrade and five out of five. Like, easily. Easily. You know. I wasn't even one to even, this was never even on my radar until until you brought it to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Really. Like, 
you know, just hearing the conversation about what it was about and everything, I said, hey, this sounds really interesting. So I definitely wanted to go ahead and pick this up. And I am I don't regret that at all. This was a very great. I wish it was kept kept going. I didn't know that this was only like a miniseries. I didn't know that it was only five issues either. So when I saw like some of the early reviews coming out, like, oh, Layla Star's uh, final issue, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? No. Um, but man, you know, I think this is also just a really great example of what comic books are and like what they can be. You know, I I know so many people look at them and they're like old cartoons or they automatically think of superheroes and things like that. And they forget that comic books are a medium at which people are, it's a storytelling medium. You know what I'm saying? Like you can talk about anything in a comic book. It's just, and like when you got the right artist, like mm-hmm. this book had, it packs such an emotional punch and it just really makes you sit back and think and gets you into a good mindset. And it's just like, damn, I love reading. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and um, it's like, I, it's just, man, Ram V, I, I need everyone to understand. I like tweeted this the other day as well. I am not speaking a hyperbole when I say of this new generation of writers or like this new batch that's out here right now, Ram V says at the top. He's dope. Like, I have seen him now switch through multiple different genres of writing, multiple different genres of storytelling. Each one is so impactful. He gets to the heart of these characters. He gets to, like, uh, something that emotionally resonates. He gives you action when it needs to be had. Um, He tends to get paired with really good artists as well. Like, he's got it. Yeah. He's got it. So uh, this final issue, we see this story of a this older man, basically, who uh, has been taking in wayward animals. Um, there was this little girl who gets this dog whose arm is broken and she takes it to this man and he will, of course, accept the animal, but not the kid. Um, we are seeing that death has been basically living. <laughs> her life <Okay. laughs> and to the point now where she's even wondering why is she even still going to stop Darius from preventing um, or I'm sorry from discovering the life the answer immortality. to death immortality yeah. and um, she's like you know what's even the point why am I even going after this person anymore now that I haven't had my job of being death anymore I've been able to live you know mm-hmm. party sex (laughs) (laughs) you know and she's like you know i don't know if i even really need to do this but um she of course still ends up going to go see darius and he brings her in there and lets her know that she says sorry and he apologizes to her and is like you know i did try to find you afterwards after from the last issue where you i said those mean things to you and i did try to find you and i wanted to apologize to you and he tells her that he discovered immortality like a long time ago. <laughs> that, that he like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> which is wild considering that since I've been reading this, I kept saying like, is she gonna be like on time? Because every time she mm-hmm. dies, she it wakes up like a long time, <laughs> right? <laughs> It'd be like, oh, fifteen years have passed, or like another ten years have passed. I'm like, geez. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, he will be dead. <laughs> I guess with the mortality, he won't be. Right. Um, so we find out that he basically put it in this box and just kept it away and kept living his life. And he found out that he, while he did discover the the meaning or the, the immortality, 
he found out that people themselves kind of had it by defying death every time they took a breath, which I thought was like a really poignant statement. To a make. moment, like, like it's dope. <laughs> like, I was like, whoa, okay, it was a word. Like it was yeah. a word. Yes, that people themselves are defying death every time they take a breath, um, because he was showing death. The, the dog that he ended up treating and putting a cast and the dog was like taking some um, deep breaths and just trying to breathe and it was clinging on to life and he knew that it was going to be okay and I again I thought that was just a very beautiful moment um, and later we find out that Darius himself is dying and he had neglected his own son basically his entire his kids only his entire life because well, not only did he try to discover immortality once death introduced himself to him he became obsessed with that and they just had a huge rift that they never got back together yeah that's always sad which is really sad and like something that really happens to people you know in real life where like a rift happens and they go their separate ways and i actually really appreciated darius when you know he death said the same thing you just said where she said that's really sad and darius was like you know no, because I can live knowing that we both were able to live our own lives and we we had to live with whatever decisions we both kind of made. And um, I like that Ram didn't shy away from, you know. Yeah, but again, I think that's like this book is just uh, a shining example of how of just how good Ram is. And it's just like the writing is there. It, it it you feel it. You and I love the way he's also infused his own culture into a lot of these stories. So it, it's just like you know the gods are Hindu and things of that nature. But it's like again, he still puts with all these things that anybody else can kind of relate to and understand and like see how important it is to them and these other senses. It's just this was great. It was really like, great. Yeah. Again, if you didn't pick this book up, I know like sometimes a lot of people when they read comic books, Mike, they might have their own particular corners that they tend to stay to. You know, some people love their bad books, some people love their ex books. Um, but if like there was ever any other comic that you picked up, the many deaths of Layla Star has to be it. And it's only five issues. And sh- and shout out to um, listener Samuli who I think that he was like a champion for this book. And uh, <laughs> he was. he's actually the reason I picked it up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So shout out, shout out to him for putting us on because really great series. Mm-hmm. All right. So those were the books of the week. Um, let's take a little break and then we'll come right back. Before I even say that, I don't know if you guys realize, but this is our 50th episode. Yes. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> Time is really flying. And I would just like to say a personal, um, very heartfelt thank you to everyone who listens and like joins in and comments and does all that stuff. You know, we started this like in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, we're still in the middle of the pandemic, but like I said, the beginning of the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, obviously, I think, like we said, we just really enjoy comic books. LZ, this is a little personal. LZ actually sent me the very first tweet that we ever interacted on. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> text message. It was like he was like, I think this was our first interaction on Twitter. That's how we met. Um, and it was he was asking about DC books. And then <laughs> the only good thing out at the time. <laughs> I was asking. I was like get, engaging with people and trying to figure out like. Oh, put me on to something, y'all. <laughs> and you were like, Midnight is the only thing that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it just, like, really made me think about, like, you know, how all of this really started. Just because, like, we just like to talk about comic books. So for this um, section of the panel, I'm, I'm actually calling it Another Discussion. Uh, I know, right? Uh, I like it. The Another Word. Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> you. Um, I just wanted to like get kind of get back to that and talk about comics as a whole and like things we're loving, things like we would change how you're feeling just about certain brands. You know, I feel like obviously week to week, depending on what comics come out, we might talk about certain corners that we're really enjoying, but just like things we want from those entire corners or like getting it all at once. I know something that has been massive. Mm-hmm. Is Jonathan Hickman is leaving the X Men as we heard after Inferno? I know you being a huge Hickman fan, that's yes. got to bring out some feelings in you. Um, and Ooh. just <laughs> I got feelings. Books that are coming out next year that involve like a She Hulk by Rainbow Rowell and the New Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur book. And then we saw like Wolverine getting his own little special that's probably going to lead to the next line of the X books. So it's like, let's talk first. Let's let's get the Hickman stuff out of the way. How are you feeling with that? You know, I won't lie. Um, <clears throat> you, we always knew this was coming at some point. You know, yeah. one thing about Hickman, and he's never been shy about it either, has been he comes into something, he will tell his story or give the franchise whatever he feels like it needs, and then put the pieces back together because he's gonna make his exit because he doesn't ever stay on anything you know, like super long. There's always like a uh, finality to his work. So like. Um, I figured it was coming at some point. I didn't think it was going to come so soon. <laughs> I thought there were yeah. going to be, like, something else that would happen prior to the quote-unquote downfall. But um, it did take some of the wind out of my sails in the entire, like, X line, my my, my faith <laughs> in the X line in the whole, because uh, I do think that the Krakoa era for me so far has been pretty great for, like, my favorite characters, you know, Lorna's on the X-Men, um, Exodus is on the council, Magneto's on the council, Magneto's Magneto. And, um, you know, so some of my favorite characters have been in some great moments, so the outline for Krakoa has been great or whatever. But some of the parts that fill in the outline for me have not been very great, so I would like, I don't know, I'm a little, like, cautiously optimistic for the future of the X-Line now that Hickman is leaving. Okay. I try to remain optimistic because, like, you know, you never know. Some things yeah. could be good. But as the state that they're in now. Yeah. Is there anything <laughs> that you, um, well, is there anything else that you kind of feel like you wish he would have gotten to do a little bit more of or you want to see him delve into that he didn't get a chance to? You know, I read an interview with him where he talked about his exit right now and he had an original plan where the X Men was going to his run of X Men. Mm-hmm. was basically going to be the jumping on point for a bunch of books. That, mm-hmm. I think, is actually a very creative way to launch titles, considering that, you know, the whole new number one thing has to 
it's always going to be the thing that these big companies use to kind of bring in new readers and to kind of relaunch a series or whatever. But okay. to not use an event, but to kind of use the main series, the flagship title to kind of jumpstart these new books that could be one-offs felt like it was kind of the smart thing to do, especially with Krakoa being this whole like unity, we're all together kind of thing. Yeah. And Cyclops being the viewpoint for that is fantastic because again, I still think in my opinion, Cyclops isn't one of my favorite X-Men, but he has had the best like like story arc for himself as far as all the characters kind of goes. He's and, the quintessential X-Men. Like, yeah. <laughs> when you think of the X-Men, you think of Cyclops. Cyclops. <laughs> so, like, having him be that kind of point-of-view character while he would have gone through and had something to do with the start of Marauders and then probably something even to do with, you know, uh, Betsy become Captain Britain and then that's how we got Excalibur and, and all mm. things like that. That would have been nice to see. But obviously that wasn't the case. We ended up just having everyone kind of start <laughs> right off the, off the bat with yeah. their books coming out. Um I've also would have enjoyed if he would have had another book to write. Um, that kind of wasn't so much of an anthology series as the way that I took the X-Men series that he had. You know, yeah. most of those they're issues... They're one and done. They're one and done. I would have liked to have seen him with something else that would have had a, like more of a continued like, narrative and maybe a little bit more action. Yeah, I can see that. No, I know he's uh, not with writer but like it would, I see him try that so. <laughs> um I, 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 the, the Hickman leaving thing with me was like strange I think that I enjoy a lot of the ideas that were going on in the X books um but uh some of the things that I was like really really excited for felt kind of flat and it was it, it just ranged from like either m- mediocre to good and so as far as Hickman himself, I don't really feel like he was writing too many of the titles or the things that I was necessarily like really looking forward to. Um, but I did really enjoy that X-Men series. And I, again, he has said, I've seen the interviews, he's a huge fan of the X-Men and I felt that. Like the way he brought the line together to kind of like do this and just like Rokoa and you can see all the stuff that he's built on and he talked about how he read like all these other previous X-Men runs and how he pulls from that and a lot of the stuff that he spoke about I thought that was perfect. I won't lie. I am still. I'm very excited for the relaunch <laughs> <laughs> of the line. Um, a, you know, I'm a reality star like Housewives fan. Everybody knows that, and so it's like I love a good cash shakeup. Okay? <laughs> it's like I am here for it. Um, and so again, I think for a lot of the writers, while I've enjoyed some of their stories, I feel like we've gotten enough now. It's kind of time to inject something new in there and I don't think that a lot of them are going to be able to inject the excitement that I'm really looking for and so I'm excited to see who else comes on yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting to see like who they bring in to kind of shake up the the world or whatever I hope that they can consolidate a lot of the books I Mm -hmm. didn't think a lot of them needed to kind of go at the same time and could be kind of condensed together um for example, I think you could easily combine X-Corp and Marauders. Like, if you're doing the Hellfire stuff, you could easily do the whole, like, business Corp. stuff that you do with X- X-Corp. Um, yeah, so I, I hope that there's a little bit more streamlining of the line. And okay. We'll I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily mind all the books. Um, I don't know. I, I, like I ain't keeping up with all that. Just... <laughs> 
I, I agree. It's like it can be it can be a bit of a hassle to keep up with, but I think it is the best opportunity to get the most of the characters when done correctly. I would say one. I think one of the big problems that a lot of the books had is that they are ensemble titles. They're actually solo titles masquerading as ensemble books. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I feel like if we had more books actually like utilizing their full cast to their like full capabilities it would feel a little bit better or more digestible to be like, okay, even though there are a lot of books and I might not want to read everything, I can still read like about these characters that I want because they're being utilized pretty well. You know, that reminds me of the last time they were all on the island during that utopia era. <laughs> and I did, I felt that way about those books. You know, there was an X-Force at that time and like, you know, a bunch of other random books, but I mean, they didn't have a lot of my favorite characters on them, but they still like utilized everybody. So it didn't feel as if like, like Marauders, that is Emma and Kate. And I don't care about watching them two big robots. <laughs> I don't. I signed up for that book for Iceman. Uh, and, um, maybe a little, maybe a little Bishop, but I'm a little iffy on him these days. <laughs> but I signed up for that book for Iceman. And wrong. Yeah. At least they haven't really shown him be a cop no more. I don't know. I think this might be worse. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have at least minded the cop because he just would have been doing something. And it, it was just, it, I honestly think like if, if there is one thing about the Hicksman era that has truly disappointed me, and again, this might change in like the second Krakoan era that they're talking about, but like so far, like the handling of Bishop has been super disappointing. Even just like with his role as a captain, I think all the other captains have kind of gotten their moments. Like obviously Cyclops is Cyclops, he's gonna do whatever he's gotta do. Um, Magic has been like in all of these various titles, failing at her job. And then you had Gorgon. I mean, she did and, pretty uh, damn well with uh, her and Cyclops teaming up against those brood. Well, that's because Cyclops was leading. Now. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to give my girl her dues. <laughs> like, Okay. And being told what to do, it's and fine. she was doing the damn thing on Empire too, handling all those like uh, zombies. Because she, okay. So anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you had Morgan. He had like a really dope captain moment on that uh, UN issue with Apocalypse and uh, Xavier and them. And then he even had like his big moment of X of Swords. And so it's like Bishop has just been, you know pushed to the wayside, being the Red King, and, like, gets to, like, a page maybe here or there to do something, but it's been super disappointing. But I think I've only seen him use his powers, like, once. And I feel like that Red King thing, for me, anyway, was, again, just more, like, alley-oops, <laughs> but instead of, like, anybody doing a dunk yet. And I feel like Bishop was in a lost place before this right like they had the whole thing with him and hope that kind of fell flat when you had to made him out to be the villain you tried to fix it by saying that he was like i don't know that was weird psychic thing cool whatever that didn't even that even that fell flat and then now you have hickman who comes in and fixes it he's like all right forget all that i'm throwing you an alley-oop now he's a captain and um i think it was kind of up to marauders to kind of take it somewhere but again instead of you know, taking it to the hoop, it was just, he oh, let me do been. another one. And he's he the Red King been. now, but who cares? His captain thing, he should have been protecting the five. Oh, that would have been dope. Like, you get, like, more resolution of, like, his stuff with hope, and you kind of see them coming together. and like Oh, his, yeah, that would have been cool. Know, 
Oh, you know, yeah. like because I feel like all of the captains too have their own like kind of yeah, assignments. Cool. They're like pseudo assignments, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like isn't is Cyclops is the head of all of them, right? And yeah, then he's Captain Commander, so he's like yeah. everything. Magic is like we've seen her kind of overlooking the student body and like all the kids and the that younger kids. Yeah. Again, Gorgon was like personal security, security. on the mission, and Bishop was like protecting Kate. <laughs> yeah, he should have like, definitely been like the bodyguard for the the five. They did him, they did him dirty this era. So I mean, we'll see how Inferno goes. I won't lie, I was a little annoyed by the Inferno teaser when I saw him on it, mm. um, and just kind of going with like that old like traitor motif. Like the man hasn't even done anything, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, but it looks like they're about to like put him on a council. That's what the preview page looks like. So again, I'm hopeful. But again, but you know, people are saying the theory is that the council isn't going to exist by the end of uh, Inferno. <laughs> so See? <it's> like, <laughs> so I feel like again, they just like keep giving him like these alley oops. Like, oh, we're gonna give him this title, but it don't go nowhere. Yeah. So it's like, but again, that's just the theory. We will see how it goes, and we'll see what leads into it afterwards. Um, obviously, for those who don't know, Bishop is my favorite male character on the X Men. Like. Everybody knows Betsy's up there. When I got to pick a guy, it's Bishop. Sometimes it's Wolverine. They can teeter a little bit, but um, it's mostly Bishop. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I'm... Um, my favorite that, man on the X-Men? Do they have to be X-Men characters? I mean, if they're... If they're yeah. I mean, if I was going to say Exodus, because, like, but he's not, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. If I can't, if I can't pick him, then I'm going Iceman and Magneto. Magneto counts. I, I was about to say uh, Magneto is your one. Okay. <laughs> Yo, Magneto, yeah. <laughs> um, it's also interesting when you were just talking earlier about like the releasing and scheduling of comic books and everything, because I was having a thought about that the other day. You know, Twitter was having one of its normal arguments about <laughs> uh, the comic industry versus manga. <laughs> Ooh, child. Hey, comments get like, ate up every time. <laughs> I don't even participate. I just be on the side looking. And I'd be like, wow. Once the manga yeah. fans start throwing those numbers and those sales out there, it's like, oh. <laughs> there's nothing you could do. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, but I was like thinking, you know, I really wonder. I was hoping this was going to, It's, I guess it's kind of happened since the pandemic began. Um, the comics industry is taking a shift in how it releases. And like we see DC Comics, they now release on Tuesday. They're getting new publishers um, and they're splitting from Diamond and the, the model seems to be shifting a little bit. And I'm kind of excited to see how that continues to go. But I was thinking, I was like, how do I want my comics to be consumed now? Again, I was just speaking earlier about like um, uh, the Midnighter stuff in Future State. And I was like, you know, it's going on so long over these few months. Like you got to kind of consistently go back to really keep up with that. I was like, would I prefer my comics to stay monthly? Do I want to do some type of like, would I be okay with getting a big type of quote unquote manga size comic, but like every three months? Yeah, like, what, like, am I okay wait, wait, just, like, waiting every three months knowing that I'm going to get, like, a lot more bang for my buck and it's going to take me longer to get through these books? But then it's probably going to become a little bit more expensive also. So it's like that pull list is going to drop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a lot more selective, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Because uh, it's like, you know, at that point you start thinking, it's like, oh, are these books going to become... Like, comics are already getting a little up there. This... Um, this Aquaman special, I think, was almost $10. Oh, wow. And, you know, but it was like, again, like, again, it was a really nice amount of books. Um, 
it was an anthology series, but it's like if I could get 90 pages of like one full story every few months, like is that maybe that ten dollars is worth it? Mm-hmm. But again, the pool is just gonna drop, so it better be good. <laughs> I don't know. I think that I would need to like. So I think some stories could definitely go that way. I think I don't think every like publisher or every line should probably do something like that, but I think certain characters could get that. Like, I think you know what? That should be something that you kind of like retire into. Like mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, we don't need you. We don't need you to have a monthly a monthly story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a heel turn over against Wonder Woman the last few months has been an absolute delight. I just need you to know that right now. <laughs> I don't know if it's really been like a heel turn or just like just some truths. A long time coming. It's just like, I love her. She's dope to watch. <laughs> but like, I don't think that is a type. Of, I was going to say even like a Batman too and Superman. I think some of those like more iconic, legendary kind of long term characters, I don't think they need to have a monthly book, but they could go to a, you know, three month like- thing, a trade thing where you can still get those. Where the younger characters or like the more newer characters could get something coming out monthly. You know, yeah. we don't even most of the time, I think like the biggest times people even like gravitate towards those legendary characters are when they're like the star of an event or like, you know, this this is big thing for them. So why not just do those? OK. <laughs> and so and like it. But then also I think about that, too, with the monthly titles, I think about how DC's kind of been doing it. We were just obviously talking about how um, a lot of books have been lasting, mm-hmm. you know, like we think of some of the X books right now in this Hicksman era, um, we got issues going to like 24, 23, stuff like that. Like when was the last time you seen an X book do that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's canceled at seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's like, it's been really exciting, but it's like, I also think about DC and how they're doing their books. So they're putting out books with for a lot more characters, but they are making them more like mini series or like maxi related. So it's like, you're getting eight issues here and 12 issues here. Do you have a preference or like, do you think either one of those work better than the other? Um, I'm not sure if either of the work better than the other, but if I were in charge of that, I would do something similar to a kind of like a, a Hoxpox release kind of thing, except mm-hmm. I would have not done them um, individually. I would have had them be uh, trades where mm-hmm. I would have the, the flagship whatever story kind of be like a trade and mm-hmm. have a bunch of like minis or whatever kind of work around that and then let those go for however long they need to go but then know that the next trade mm-hmm. or whatever will be coming out in six months so your story needs to rhyme like go around that i can see that and i think i probably would probably again i would adopt that same thing over at dc i would do something with all right batman we're gonna do the batman like currently he's in fear state right now mm-hmm. and i had thought about checking it out but then it really feels like it another, was a lot of books in that. It's a lot of books. Yeah, I, mean, I, <laughs> I was like, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that this was gonna be a whole like thing. I yeah. thought it was just arc for Batman. I didn't know that this was like a whole like launch for him. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just another like villain taking over Gotham. But I feel like you could tell that story and then just have those minis go on like you know monthly around it until the next. Yeah. 
time another villain takes over Gotham. You know, Gotham is, I don't know, Gotham's got to maybe be a discussion all on its own. I mean, <laughs> that's got to be like an episode of its own. But it's like the the back corner as a whole, I just, I mean, outside of like Nightwing, which I hear really good things about, um, I just think the back corner as a whole is just kind of like, put it on ice. It's losing its focus, I think. It's like, put it on ice. It's like they want to make Jace Batman, but like that took a while to kind of get out of the door. Um, and then you don't know really what you want to do with Bruce yet uh, yeah. because he's still kind of around. <laughs> <Always>. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I think it needs a little bit like a buh. And then you also got like Damien, who's like still trying to become Batman and you know he's going to be Batman one day. And then you got Nightwing, who's just like, running around being Nightwing, but he's like, Nightwing should kind of be the one, like, rallying all the Gotham heroes, I feel like, to be like, mm. what are you doing, or what are you in charge of? He is, like, the natural leader. I think I've said it before. I might have said it on the show. I might not have. I try not to say it too much. But Nightwing is DC's, like, quintessential and best character. He is, like... Oh, wow. I've never... I uh, did not expect <laughs> you to say that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which I heard uh, it. <laughs> You know, I did this. We, I might make my jokes, but we all know I don't lie about these characters. I, I know fully well where they stand and what they do. Um, and so it's like, I think if they like, even if Jace is Batman or whatever, Nightwing should be like overhead of everybody and saying, this is your area, this is what you need to do, and kind of carving that path out. And we're, we'll actually talk about this a little bit later, because I was thinking about, like, certain mother runs when Red Hood first started running around. We had all these other heroes who were in Gotham doing things or villains. There's a lot of them, obviously. Yeah. Someone else is taking over right now in Fear State. So mm-hmm. if we have all these people running around in bat suits, like, that's fine. But, like, just make sure they have something specific to do or a specific area. Yeah. I think they need to have someone kind of come in and, and do just that. Whether you make Nightwing the voice of that or whoever, but they need to really like say, you are this, <laughs> you are that, and, <laughs> and start places everybody somewhere. Um, instead of just I having also, uh, I also wonder, like, maybe if it's just the writers for Batman too. Is it like, again, someone's always just taking over Gotham or war jokes yeah. and riddles? And you know something like <laughs> it's just yeah. like I, I I don't know it's what do you really need to do to make Batman exciting again? That is a, that's the topic in itself. <laughs> if you have any that, ideas on how to make Batman exciting again, guys, yeah, let, let us, us know. know because, because we'll definitely have to bring that one back up because I think that one is a that's a topic on its own because they're just like they've tried everything. In my opinion, you know, killed him, <laughs> brought him back, killed him again. And I think that gave him a kid, you know, tried to, tried to marry him off. That didn't work. <laughs> they, I think that they need to probably just stick to something. But again, we'll have to have a, a long discussion for that one. That is bad. Are um, you enjoying DC right now? Oh, I love DC right now. I've been enjoying DC a lot right now, too. They, I feel like they have just been like, letting people do whatever they're going to do. Um, it, it, you know, I hate to say it, but firing Dan Didio was the best yeah. thing they could have done. 
And yeah. and I and I know people like Nightwing is thriving now. <laughs> yeah, because he hated him some Nightwing. <laughs> um, and it's like and it, and it, and like I don't mean it to say like you know it always sucks when somebody has to lose their job and things like that. But what Dan envisioned for the DC universe and like you could see it because every time they were rebooting and he was kind of saying the same things over and over again, it just wasn't progressing. He like really held tight onto like the Silver Age line of thinking. And in this day and age, it just doesn't work with the comic books that people want to read. It doesn't work with the new generation of readers that we have and what they're trying to do and like what they're trying to see and what they want in their stories. I'm sorry, people don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And he was just like really holding fast onto that. And so I think once they kind of got rid of him and then they started hiring a lot more uh, diversity behind the scenes, like one of the new talent acquisition managers I know was a black man. Um, They've got a lot more women at the helm of things now. And you're letting these creators. And that was one of the things, too, as DC was going through a lot of its issues. So many of the creators who were leaving were talking about editorial and how they had problems with the people who were in charge and who were just like pigeonholing their stories. You don't hear about that as much anymore. I'm sure it still happens to some extent. Um, But like people feel, it seems like the people feel a little bit more comfortable to tell their stories. And again, the books that are coming out feel natural. Like we, I was tweeting about this one day. I think by October, DC is going to have eight books, all headlining black characters, all written or drawn by a person of color, like by a black creator. You know wow. what I'm saying? And, and, and it's like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. You know? It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's like, you know, the things that people have asked for, they're out there. Mr. Miracle has a book. Uh, uh, Jackson's book is about to come out. Manta's book is about to come out. Nubia's coming out. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, John Stewart is leading the Green Lantern series right now. Mm-hmm. It's like these books exist and they're actually being written by the people who should be writing them. Mm-hmm. And so it like it feels good, and it's not too much. It again, it doesn't feel like pandering. It doesn't feel pandering. Yeah, it's not like forced. Yeah, and then it's like on top of that, just all the other series that we have are just really good. Again, I will always scream about how good Action Comics is right now. Yeah. Um, they, Tom Taylor, who's like a huge fan favorite writer, doing uh, John's book right now, and it's getting really good reviews. Um, Yara has fantastic art. It looks good. And that's another thing. I think a lot of the artists right now are good. You had Ram V doing the Justice League Dark Backups. Justice League is bad, but that's a whole <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. I think it's time to... Justice League is bad, in my opinion, because I love Bendis, but I think that it might be time for, like, a changing of the guard as far as, like... And this also affects Marvel, too, because um, the same way that Justice League is bad, Avengers is bad. And <laughs> was so good though. <laughs> I think yeah. it's time to just change the guard on these like flagship titles. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the architects who were kind of running Marvel like the like the last decade or Marvel and DC the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. I think Bendis, Aaron, I think they're mm-hmm. like the last two, aren't they? Dugan was there. He was oh he was. He was doing like Uncanny Avengers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they can start. Over. <laughs> yeah, they can. They can, they can be bring in, like, bring in an apprentice or something. But I think yeah. it might be just time to just kind of change the guard out. And there's no no knock on them; like they're iconic. So okay, 
They still they still have like all their little um creator owned series that are being made okay. TV shows and Netflix series. Girls got money. Okay. okay, and please the things that the people we just named like Aaron's Thor is like <laughs> that's all you ever hear about. Okay, Jane they're gonna make it into a movie. <laughs> Come on, I wonder. Um, oh, and that's been another thing too. Had, did you see like the creators who got the check? I forgot what movie it was. Oh, it was one of the comic book movies, and they were asking him. They were like, "Oh, you probably made a lot of money from you know your story getting made into a movie." He was like, "No, I got a check for like twenty five thousand dollars." Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I saw a different someone say that uh, they got more money from their creator-owned book than they got from like the royalties from BBS or something or like some other like big name thing. Um, and they were like, "Yeah, it's just." <laughs> I think that the way that these creators are paid is insane. They should be. It should be way more. I can't even get the words out because it's like, how does this movie make a billion dollars with a B? <laughs> a billion dollars. And you have creators coming on here who are going on Twitter, posting links to GoFundMe's because they don't have insurance. And, they and that has always been like the craziest thing, like the insurance and stuff. And again, I think that's why I've been a little bit ex- excited about how the pandemic did force the industry to change like a little bit, because mm-hmm. it's like, again, like it really started to make some of these creators see like, no, like I deserve a little bit more money or I need ways to get insurance. And I got it like I'm doing this and this is a living for me and I should be able to survive off of that because they do. Like, again, it takes 30 days for an artist to draw a comic book, mm-hmm. 30 straight days of drawing. I got arthritis. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do all of that. I can barely draw. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's just like super insane to me. Um, which is like, I don't know. Have you been hearing about all the creators moving over to Substack? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that one either. I don't know. We gonna we gonna save that. That's gonna be a separate show. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I feel like I don't know. I also, I saw that the uh, the new books that Marvel were putting out, right? Mm-hmm. The they like relaunch stuff with that new Marvel Wolverine book and the She Hulk yeah. stuff. Yeah. I will say that while that stuff was exciting, the infographic was a little annoying. Uh, one of my uh, best friends sent that to me, and he said that he got really excited because he thought it was MCU. And um, I was like, no, it's for the comics. And he's reading the comics now, like he's getting into them. So um, he does like them. But it really showed me that, like, a lot of characters in the Marvel universe are really missing. Like, they, it doesn't really feel like a big expanded universe as much as it is, like, a reflection of the MCU now, mm-hmm. or at least those are the characters that they focus on. Yeah. And I wish that they could kind of get back to leading what the MCU is trying to follow instead of following the, the MCU. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. Like the movie should always follow the comics, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really interesting that you say that about the MCU thing. So there's this girl who I work with. She is a huge MCU fan. She loves all the superhero movies. She always wants to talk to me about them, but she doesn't read the comic books. And so one day I was saying something about that infographic actually and I was like think I'm looking at it on my phone and I like showed Charles that oh all these books are coming out and she says to me she's like oh well who's writing that I was like the comic book writers (laughs) (laughs) she was like oh well where are all the comic book writers at 
I was like, writing the comic book. I was like, I don't know what I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that goes. She's like, yeah, she's like, that's where the real people are. She's like, that's where the real stories happen. And I'm like, I'm glad you know that. I was like, I don't really understand what you're asking me, but I was like, I'm glad you know where the real stories are. So I was like, but I told her I was like, you should pick some of these up and buy them. Mm-hmm. And she said no. But <laughs> see, I feel like people get a little afraid about getting into comics, but really you just have to just pick one up and start. Like you Truly. will never meet a you'll never meet a person. It's or at least let me not say that. It's very rare that you would ever meet a person who started off reading something with the number one of where a character was created or something. Like or like just like knew I'm picking this up and I get everything about this character. I think a big <laughs> I honestly think the biggest joy I ever had becoming a comic book fan was getting to know the character. And a big part of getting to know the character was like going back and reading everything. Yes, did I pick up a random issue one day and I was like, oh, this person looks cool, sure. And then all I did was hop on Google, mm-hmm. went, read the Wikipedia, and then eventually I was like, well, let me go and read the books. And like, I would go and read these stories and it gives you, again, I don't really think anyone who reads a comic book doesn't enjoy reading. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> to, to like some extent, you know? And so it's like, it's, I feel, no matter what you do, as much as you want to keep continuing on with these characters, you're eventually going to go back and get everything anyway. So mm-hmm. just go for it. Who you like? You like Harley? Don't read Harley Quinn books. <laughs> I couldn't tell you because I don't read them, but they sell. She's a. She, they do. They sell leading, so much. Leading the pack. She leads. Showing you girls how to sell a comic. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Because, like, when you think about, like, even for characters that you don't really get into or like you don't buy, like I might not buy a Spider-Man book, but I can tell you who Spider-Man fights. I can tell you like some really big Spider-Man storylines that have happened. I cannot tell you anything about Harley Quinn book. Me neither. I don't know who she fights in any of her books other than like a Joker appearance, I assume. But that would only happen for maybe an issue or two. I have no idea who her villains are. Like, I do know that I saw that they were trying to make her more of a hero, and I don't think I like that. I don't like that either. She should definitely be like staying her little anti-villain heroine thing. That yeah, she yeah, I like that. I like her being more than like the more villainous. Right, but shout out to Harley Quinn because that's a seller. Carrying that line. Talked about that episode, you know, that's a seller. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Are there any uh, areas of the comic industry like between sci-fi and space and time travel and magic mm. that you find yourself really loving? Um, you know, I was actually thinking about that recently, and I was like, what has always been the thing that drew me to the Fantastic Four? Mm-hmm. Um, because I always see people say that they're, like, boring or, like, they aren't interested in them. And unfortunately, I think it, that comes from them not having a lot of good current comics. A lot of their good stuff is just kind of older, back in, like, the 80s. And a lot of people, I guess, don't really want to go back and read that older stuff. Um, although I will always su- suggest the Hickman era good stuff um but i feel like what always drew me to them was the exploration and like Mm -hmm. the like science and stuff like that so i would hope that like more books get to do more of that right now um currently i've actually been enjoying a lot more of the street level characters because outside of my enjoyment of characters exploring and like going out and being the ones to just kind of make their own decisions for themselves um, I love a good action scene. Call me basic. I don't care. 
it is it what ain't it nothing is. basic about eleven actually because again, as much as we like reading, fight. we're into these comic books because they're still a visual medium. Yeah. Seeing those fights. Maybe. I love a good fight. So I've really been enjoying a lot of like the street level stuff right now because, like I said, a lot of characters are kind of missing and they're not really giving. A lot of my favorite characters are super powered characters. So when they're missing, I don't get too many super powered fights. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of the, but a lot of the street heroes are, are giving right now. So those I really like. But I hope that we get some more characters like with some powers. <laughs> and, like, I think they're going to come soon. I'm, I, don't, I, don't I really don't need um, Secret Agent number 37 again. I, I get <laughs> I do think they're coming soon. Again, I, with that little infographic that Marvel released, like with some of the characters, even though most of those characters on it were, I guess, street level mm-hmm. types. <laughs> they were all street level. Oh, wow. <laughs> Except the Fantastic Four, who I already know, like, it's they announced the Fantastic Four Reckoning War. And that's just going to be about She-Hulk. And I like her, Uh but like... So, I I, I think I said this too, but I did see that Dan Slott is bringing She-Hulk into Fantastic Four for an issue Mm -hmm. or so. I think I'm going to pick that up. I would not be surprised if he brings her in for like an arc. I think he... I think that's his favorite character. I mean... And he's been talking about this Reckoning War, if people uh, are interested in it. Literally every time that he writes She-Hulk, he has something about this Reckoning War. He's been doing it for the last 15 years. <laughs> There's only one girl that really matches up to Betsy at Marvel for me, and that's Miss Jen Walters. Yeah. Okay? And if there yeah, is one girl. thing... I know people got issues with Dan Slott, but if there is one thing that Dan Slott does well, it's write some She-Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay? So I might clock in for that. Yeah, she's going to be there, which I already know that he's probably just setting up the Reckoning War arc for them. So, uh, And then her yeah. solo's coming out, and that's going to be written by Rambo. Mm, she hope back, baby. I hope next year we get into more of the characters who got some some powers and I can get about these streets. Cause, um, I mean, I would, like, I would like Mr. Blue Marvel to make his grand return as well. See, it's more science stuff. Some, some yeah. of those characters are all missing. Spectrum. And bring, and I would like him to bring Spectrum along with him, so mm-hmm. we can get them back. I see that. Yeah, that would be nice. Okay. Well, you know, we're not gonna run up all the time because we know we could do this all day, but <laughs> I just wanted to have a little quick general chat about some comics and talk. You know, again, you guys, please let us know. Thank you for always listening and continue to let us know things. If you have an idea of what you do for Batman, your own little personal relaunch. If you're looking forward to She-Hulk and the Fantastic Four as well, because yes. <laughs> if you're just also, I need every. Don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. <laughs> <laughs> you know Try what? <laughs> Let's play. We'll take a break and then we'll come back for the reread. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Right, hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back for another reread. And this week, if you tagged along, we did the iconic, the illustrious, the amazing Batman Under the Red Hood, which is a direct follow-up to Jim Starlin's 1988 story, A Death in the Family. 
And for those who don't know, in this story, Jason Todd, one of the greatest Robins to ever exist, was brutally Ooh. murdered by the Joker. <laughs> um, uh, the funny thing about this is, is it was actually a fan vote. <laughs> so yes, it DC, was. Uh, so he DC couldn't have been that fun. much of a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think people are just dark and they like sadness. So mm. they, it was, should, they should go to therapy as well. <laughs> um, but in the storyline, you know, DC sent a thing out to the fans uh, about whether or not they should kill Jason Todd in this storyline. And the fans overwhelmingly voted yes. And he was... <laughs> 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 and, you know, in this story, um, the Joker, uh, J- Jason Todd, as Robin tries to go and, like, stop the Joker, he beats him with the crowbar, and then Batman's, like, on the way to try and save him, and the building explodes. He dies. Jason is virtually untouched for 15 years. Yeah. Um, pretty much. And then, you know, we start to get this story of Under the Red Hood, which was fallout from DC's event Infinite Crisis, where a lot of things were happening in the multiverse. And, like, at this point in time, a lot of characters who had died or, like, in other spaces were coming back. It was, like, Superboy Prime. Was that his name? Yes. And, yes. like, yeah. the, like, he, like, punched the multi... It was, like, the dumbest yes. thing. Yes, that was him. <laughs> <laughs> um... So basically, you know, this story is like, it's kind of iconic. I mean, it's okay. So first of all, let me say this. This was actually my first time reading this. Really? I know, I know I'm super late. Oh I know. Oh my god! Oh my wow! Very, my first, oh wow! My I first know, time I, ever like, reading this. Now. Yeah. So like, I have seen the movie, you know, uh-huh. the animated movie, but the, and this had always been on my list of things for me to get around to to read, but I had never read it. So mm-hmm. uh, this is my first time reading this, and let me just go ahead and say. They're not doing it like this today, because um, yeah. this like out the gate <laughs> was filled with action and intrigue, and um, I don't know how this hit like back when it was coming out. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if people like kind of knew that it was going to be Jason underneath the Red Hood or whatever, but um, I know for me, like you could kind of figure out that it was gonna be somebody that he knew. But, yeah. like, as the story progressed, it became less about him mm-hmm. being Jason and more about him just, like, really <laughs> coming face-to-face with Batman. Yeah. Um, I thought that this was, like, really so, good. I remember, like, back in the day of the... Oh God, back in the day. We were old. Um, of the time <laughs> when this was coming out, um, Judd Winnick kind of had, like a shaky reputation in comics, not in terms of like anything he had done, but just like amongst the fandom and his quality of writing. I personally have always been a huge Judd Winnick fan. Anything I've read of his, I loved. I really loved his outsider stuff. I loved his Green Arrow stuff. Obviously, I loved everything he did with Jason Todd for Under the Red Hood and the follow-up miniseries he ended up doing called Lost Days of the Red Hood, which people should also check out. So like, I remember the circles being overwhelmingly positive to this event at the time. I do remember a lot of people being very adamant that they already knew it was Jason. It was kind of okay. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of obvious. (laughs) Um, Especially, again, like, when you think about what else was going on in the DC universe and, like, all these other uh, characters were popping back up and, like, returning from the dead. And Hoffman, his former partner, Charlie Parker, who was, like, the Golden Eagle, had come back. Um, Again, we had, like, over in the Titans, you had people like Donna was coming back. Uh, It was just, like, who else is it going to be? (laughs) <laughs> was this also coming out around the time of Winter Soldier coming back? Because this was giving like 
a very... I think uh, so. I think, was that like 2014, 2015? This was, this was in 2004 through 2006 for Under the Red Hood. Oh I don't know Tom when. Is an illusion. I don't know. <laughs> what? It came out yeah. when? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, man. Wow. I've been reading comic books for a long time. Yeah, I, and he came back as, oh yeah, he came back in Winter Soldier in 2005, so this was around the same time. Look at that, inspiring the girls. <laughs> uh, that is Jason Todd for you, okay? And like, but again, like, that's why I say this story is kind of iconic, and when you think about it, all the times it's been adapted, it's been adapted in this animated movie, it has been adapted in video games for the Arkham Knight series, Um, it's currently going on in Titans right now, HBO Max, which is like chef's kiss i think about there's that one scene in the under the red hood the and uh in the comic where jason's like making himself known to all of the mob bosses and things that like you know he's here he's kind of running the show he throws that bag of severed heads on Ooh. the table i was like oh my this is this is intense can they do this here <laughs> like what are you playing like who is this guy <laughs> Like, how can you not stand? And, like, would you, again, you think about, like, how many times we've now seen that in the shows and the yeah. movies, TV shows and the games. It's like, it's just, it's, it's there. He's that guy. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I really loved about this also was just kind of, you really get to see why Jason had such a de- disconnect with, like, mm-hmm. just kind of Batman and all the stuff and all those angers. I, I think it actually ties back really well to uh, Robin, which we just read last week. And, Damien was kind of going over each person's personality. And with Jason, he was like, you're the most emotional. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's all this yeah. is right here. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's all this is. And just like that hurt of never feeling good enough, but like also being angry and like not knowing how to handle it. And you have this interesting dichotomy with Batman, who's just consistently sitting here talking about how he can't work with anybody and how nobody wants to be around him because of all these mistakes he's made and blah, blah, blah. But you got Nightwing, who was just like yeah. hanging by his side the entire time? Because again, <laughs> who is Nightwing? But like DC's greatest hero, and just so gonna I'm gonna be riding with you, yeah, yeah. And so it was just all interesting to see. Um, great character work, fantastic action throughout. Like you said, we start mm-hmm. out the gate punching, yeah, and it doesn't stop. Nope. The fight with Amazo was dope between Batman and um, and Nightwing with Amazo, and uh, even every fight between Red Hood and Batman was just really dope because the way that they would talk about countering each other's moves and the art was fantastic. Yeah. This was just like <laughs> action packed, and like the character moments were still thrown in. I don't know who that Onyx girl was. Um, I used she was to love cool. Onyx back in the day. I had a feeling you. I had. I knew. Oh my <laughs> gosh! And like when we were going back over this, when we were when I was rereading this, and I got to her page out because that page of Onyx like jumping mm-hmm. down and fighting those guys. Like when I tell you that is a comic book page that has been embedded into my memory for like ever. When I think of some of my favorite pages, like that is one of them. And I just remember seeing. That. I was like, oh, this is the dog. That was that was a really cool. Fight. Like you know, uh, Red Hood had already like beat her up, and when he slid that knife into her shoulder. And he was like, you know, you didn't even notice that I already did that because it's just how quick I am. Or I don't know if it's just the steel and her like looking down and seeing it was really dope. And yeah. afterwards, you know, he let her free and he was like, I'm going to go down there and kill these dudes. And 
You can join one. in or what? <laughs> <laughs> she kind of looked like, for a right. second. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm now. <laughs> um, but again, yeah, like it was just like a lot of great character moments. So I think we also got some uh, really interesting fallout with Batman and Zatanna. Uh, from Identity Crisis. For those who don't know, during Identity Crisis, Batman discovered that like some members of the Justice League had messed with his memory, and Zatanna, being you know the powerful magician girl she is, kind of was the one that had to do it. Um, but they've always had a super close relationship, and this was the first time that we ever saw that like on the rocks. And he was like, you know, he made a comment. I needed somebody I could trust, but they were all busy, so I had to call you. And yeah. it was like, damn. I was like, damn. Like, what was going on? I didn't know what was happening because I haven't read Identity Crisis. Only knew about like you never read Identity on. Crisis. No, I haven't. Oh I haven't. I know. What were you? What, what? What? Where was I? I was. That was like I was mostly reading um, Fantastic Four and X Men. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And but. Teen Titans. Oh, and Green Lantern. Oh, Teen Titans was good at that time. Though. Yeah, I was re- also reading Teen Titans like Teen a Titans lot of the time. Really <laughs> yeah, okay, so we're gonna have to do another like sometime in the future reread of Identity Crisis because that's a moment that shows why Deathstroke is like a nasty man. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 Definitely. Like, um, but yeah. Uh, this I thought good. this event was really great. Like, I, and the movie that goes along with it, like the uh, animation in that movie, was really great. Um, it's on HBO Max if you want to watch that. Um, it follows it verbatim, like almost to a T. I think that we just need to, like, I don't know what's going on with these companies, but like, they could do a lot of these animated movies and like turn these comic events into movies. I think that like mm-hmm. we should have a, a lot more of them. I would love a. Like an X Men Second Coming movie? Psh, oh my gosh, that'd be that dope. would be good. I was just rereading Second Coming too. Yes, mm. that would look so hot. Yes, that would look so good. The scene of like Betsy and X twenty three, where they're like fighting against the the, the fighter jets, like coming at them, and Betsy shielding them, and she looks at X twenty three. She's like, "You need a moment," and she's like, "No," and she's like, "Good girl," and she just throws her up. <laughs> like I was like, like, "Yes," yeah. <laughs> and just all of them fighting all those Nimrods and stuff. That would be that would be dope. Um, there are a bunch of like DC events that I would love to see mm. animated that I think would be really cool. But they need to go ahead and give us more of these animated movies because the Under the Red Hood movie was really cool. And I think for anyone who's ever kind of wondered about Jason, or you just like, I get it. Jason can be a little bit divisive for some people. I don't see it for him. <laughs> like them, I don't, so. but the story was good <laughs> but again like jason I th- but I, I think with jason like people tend to like overdo the whole like aggressive member of the family the like black sheep thing and it gets a little yeah. bad and it's just like okay like he mad but he's mellowed out a little bit or we just go like you know now he's fighting with crowbars and it's just like that's never what his thing was yeah he was and trying I don't really to- like the mortal Kombat mask they got with him going on too like it's a little ridiculous, but he he's got other good stories out there. Again, that Lost Days of uh, uh the Lost Days of the Red Hood miniseries by Judd Winnick is also really good. Red Hood and the Outlaw series that launched. Uh, so the thing, it's not my sister's in that, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They so it's like kind of bad in so that. <laughs> it's like this is the thing. He got paired up with Starfire and Arsenal, and. It wasn't good for them, but it was good for Jason. 
<laughs> and even the one after that that followed that pulled in Artemis and Bizarro, like it wasn't really. I heard that one was really good. That one was actually pretty good, like with Artemis and Bizarro. That's like when the story kind of uh, made more sense because like him being paired up with Starfire and uh, Roy just it was like these are Dick's friends, right? Why is Jason with him? <laughs> Uh, and they tried to build that. It was not a good story for them. It was fine for Jason, but when Artemis and Bizarro came up, that's the run I'd actually recommend to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did start by bad. So bad. What's <laughs> <laughs> so bad? Oh, she. They tried with her though. They threw a couple of runs out there to try and make her a solo star. Those they, were so bad too. <laughs> that solo run tried to like they tried to give her the image of where she was at the moment but gave her the personality of like the cartoon which is not her personality at all like she's not gonna go walk up to some mustard and start drinking it and be like what is this like yeah. no oh and i know like i know now that you've been reading like the Wolfman and Perez. Uh, yes, yes. Like, yes. I know it upsets you even more to think about that because, oh, like, you're my you're starting to see like <laughs> the Starfire that I've been telling you about for years. Listen, the one thing about Starfire is like I've always been like a pretty decent fan of hers. Like, I've always been a big fan, and I read her, you know, with the Teen Titans run back then, but I hadn't read this Perez stuff. Now, this is my girl, top two, easily top two, and. The things that have been done with her now is so sad to see. Like, where, where is my morally gray space princess? <laughs> like, wow. Where's my hot girl? <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone, if I ever, I'm excuse me, if I never recommend a comic to you, I will always recommend the Judas Contract. It is literally one of my top five comic book runs, arcs of all time. Like that entire era, Wolfman and Perez. Like mm-hmm. that's the Titans for me. Maybe we can do that as a reread because I'm actually coming up on that soon. In yeah. my in my read of this. Well, I don't know. It's kind of long. You know, that's what I realized when we've been doing these DC rereads. They're all kind of long. <laughs> there have been still our catalog. Yes, that's probably why they can turn them into movies because it's putting it's like even this one. I think when it started, it ran from like November to I want to say maybe like March. Mm. But then it went on hiatus, and it didn't come back until like the next fall. And so oh. <laughs> it was like it was like really weird. It just took like a really long time. So I was like, okay, uh, mm. if we that's why I was like identity crisis. That's an, even that. That's like seven issues. That's not that bad. <sighs> that's not bad. I guess. I guess. But still. This was like 12, 15. <laughs> Overall, I would have probably rated this like a four out of five. What would you give it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Quintessential Jason Todd story. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe DC like Batman corner story. I think this is like. Truly. Like, and I again, I think it's because Death in the Family was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And like, this is the direct follow up of it. And it's like, it's Jason Todd. Like, it's. He's iconic. I don't know. What <laughs> you can get what you want, but it's like you know who he's he is. Be there. Yeah. You know who he is. I don't Give know. Give me his guns. Give me his guns. Give me his guns. Boo, boo, boo. He's the he's the red bat now. He's got his. That's one. His yeah. Face. He's also got his own symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good well, for him. 
All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, y'all. Make sure you check us out on uh, wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Leave us a review. Give us five stars and all that good stuff. Um, Thank you so much for everyone who has been doing that. We really appreciate all the comments. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, send them over to us via email at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can tweet us at anotherrelaunch or find us on Instagram. Uh, you can also watch the show at Another Relaunch TV. Also, um, I think someone asked where I got my Jean Grey um, <laughs> crew neck. Actually, got it from uh, this Redbubble site, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, or T Public. Actually, I think it was T Public. And I'll find the link and I'll tweet it out and post it. So um, check out for that. Cool. And uh, yeah, you can find me on most social media at Uncanny uh, LZ. Uh, Keenan, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. You know, there's an underscore at the end. Boom. All right, y'all. Let's get up out of here. We will catch y'all next week. See ya. Peace.